Hello, my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure is the man putting me into an early retirement, Mr. Shaheen Avandi! Wait, how am I? What? What? No. What? Who? We're gonna have I'm to, re- we're gonna have to, we're have to redo in, the intro. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Listen, man, I don't think I'm any happier than anybody else with your bullshit April Fool's news. <laughs> I think it's garbage. Wait, is this where you tell everyone it was just an April Fool's joke? Uh, this is where I tell everyone that asphalt and rubber is a 13 year long, long con April Fool's joke, and I just dropped the bomb on you. Gotcha, bitch. <laughs> gotcha, bitches. I'm out. <laughs> Oh man, <clears throat> I, it, it could end only that way. That's the only way I could go out, Shane. But is it really ending? I don't think it's ending. I just think like asphalt and rubber will still be around. Just Jensen Beeler is going off to like Jensen Beeler. Everyone's gotta, wondering if you're going to go back to like law again. No, that'd be amazing. Although there's no shortage of war crimes going on right, now. especially right now. Um, yeah. So Jensen Beeler is is retired. Fucking, I'm like day Bullshit. two into my retirement. Uh, I think the question everyone want, wants to know is what's going to happen with asphalt and rubber. And I'm buying the, it. And the, yeah, well, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk after the show. That'd be amazing. You have ten dollars. Like ten dollars. Ten dollars. Eleven dollars. I got twelve fifty. Troy Sihan offered me thirteen dollars today. So. I've got fourteen. Okay, done. Um, I'm going to buy it for fourteen and then hire Troy Sihan, <laughs> the <laughs> cutest little editor in the planet. He he goes like, I'm going to be really honest with you. I haven't really been listening to the show a lot lately. I'm like wow, the fuck! Wow, I almost spat out my drink. Yeah, I'm like, well, we're definitely going to talk about wow, talk about well, you on the show this time. <laughs> yeah, definitely going to talk about Troy. His facial hair is questionable at best. Filipino Wolverine. See, I've changed my uh, my tone about his I know, facial right? hair. Just boom, like Just that. Like that. <laughs> Crush over Troy like a switch. I mean, dang! I read your bullshit and watch your YouTube videos. <laughs> it's not on, bullshit. It's actually click good. On, <laughs> click on your ads. <laughs> yeah, click on your ads, Troy. Talk to your boss earlier, and he was all like, "Ooh." You know who Troy is? Yeah. Fuck, we didn't know if people knew who he was. Yeah. Every now and then. It's like a little <laughs> leprechaun. You got to let him out. Um, so Asphalt and Rubber. Yeah, going forward, I, I I don't know, like for sure, but the plan is for, for Asphalt and Rubber to continue on with someone else at the helm. Yeah. So uh, more news on that coming forward. You guys, maybe I'll start a Kickstarter, raise some money so I can buy Asphalt and Rubber for $14.50. That's take over. Yeah, you should. Just do it. I just, I don't know that I would do it enough justice because I'm so busy with Moto Corsa. I can't be doing asphalt and Moto Corsa rubber. It's a lot. It's a lot. I, I, I don't think people understand the weight and gravity of what you do it's and how lot. much of your time it actually takes. Because yeah. I live a mile and a half away from you and I get to see you, once you know, a week. Uh, once Eek-ish. a week, quote unquote, week-ish <laughs> for a pod, you know, podcast. Like, it's funny because when we see each other outside of this, we look at each other like, you look different. What'd you do? Did you lose weight? What'd you do? Look good. What'd you do? It's a new oh, shirt. wearing clothes. Nice. It's a new motocorsa shirt. Looks good. I like it. Uh, yeah. It's a good shade of blue. Brings out the color in your eyes. Yeah. Did you get those shoes, Jensen? No, I've been wearing these for five years now. I've never seen you in them because I always see you barefoot in your house. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I'm going to do like this whole like exit interview series of stories next Ooh, week 
to kind of like <clears throat> summarize my thoughts after over a decade in this industry. That's going to be our next recording. I'm going to do an exit interview with you. Okay. Yeah. That'd be great. I think that'd so, be hey, um, we wrap talk at gmail.com. Send me your questions you want me to ask Jensen on his exit interview. If there's a lot of them, we might do two of them. But I feel like there's probably a lot of questions. Just like do a long show. Yeah, do a long show. I got a lot of time. We got a lot of time. It turns out you got a lot of time. <laughs> I got a lot of time now. So yeah, webraptalk at gmail.com. Send me what questions you want me to ask Jensen on this exit interview episode we'll do next. Yeah. But it's um you and I have had this conversation in private, and it's it's interesting because like this is a tough job. It looks really glamorous from the outside. And I'm right. not gonna pretend like I didn't just have like the life of my life. Is that a phrase? Life, life of your life? Time of my life. Time yeah. of my life. I like the life of your for life. For the last 13 and a half years or whatever it's been. Because there is elements of this job that are incredibly rad. Like my right. job was basically to go do bucket list things that motorcyclists pay money usually to go do. Yep. Like I, I, I remember the first MotoGP race I went to, I stepped on Valentino Rossi's foot. That's how close I was to him. <laughs> you know, like, like people pay a lot of money to get paddock access. Like right. And I get to go ride brand new bikes on MotoGP tracks around, you know, I went to Africa and Morocco and Europe and Australia. And You're going to have some cool stories to tell your grandkids one day. Yeah. I, I got to do some things. Um, and that's, and that's the upside. I think the part that people don't see, it's like, like one time I remember we went to a press launch in Monaco. I spent 33 hours in the air, 34 hours on the ground. Jesus. You know, like, yeah, it, and, like I literally got there Tuesday. I left Thursday morning. And I feel like there's probably plenty of listeners that do that kind of work where they commute somewhere and they understand how much it takes out of your body and your mind when you are traveling for that long to do a thing and then traveling back. It's like, oh, fuck, I can't even believe it. Like, it's time travel. It's weird. Well, it got so bad. Like, I remember we went uh, Triumph Speed Triple launch 2018 or so. That kind of sounds right. Um, we went to Spain and, like, we literally, you know, and, like – motorcycle journalists are not like automotive journalists automotive journalists fly first class they fly right. business class right. it's very it's they very put you guys in with the luggage usually i have i've been put on ryanair i've been put <laughs> on EasyJet. i don't know how many like middle seats i've gotten and until i started getting why i was like i should get status and like use my points right. so i can avoid I this get smarter than this you know for those of you who don't know ryanair it's like the worst version of spirit airlines it's when you're paying literally three euros for a flight yeah. it's gonna be bad yeah you're sitting um, on someone's lap usually. The the CEO likes to joke like they're gonna get rid of the seats, make it standing only, make the bathrooms pay. I mean, like you gotta pay to use the bathroom. Like, I get it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's really like I remember going on that trip, and it was like a it was a red eye flight to Spain. We got in at five a.m. or some shit like that, and the expectation was we would be on the bikes nine a.m. that day. Wow. Go ride. Do a street ride and a track ride and then leave technically that night at like 2 a.m. to go back to the airport. Wow. And I literally remember like that was that was like the definitive moment in my career. I remember like enough people complained were like, this is too dangerous. Yeah. You can't have someone because they were just thinking like because they just booked all the flights the same as if like people were flying from France to Spain as a yeah, two hour as, flight as, like, or to Spain. hour flight doesn't matter to them. They didn't understand the whole like, no. hey, I've been traveling for like literally 20 <laughs> hours. These guys have been traveling for like two hours. It's It's a little different. And that's when, like, I, I think OEM started to, like, pad, like, an extra day for, for like, the transatlantic flights. Right. But even then, like, you know, imagine just being jet-lagged out of your brain and having to, like, get on a 200-horsepower superbike on like a track you've never seen before. Track, right. Yeah, and, be, and being told, too, like, hey, okay, so you have, like, three 20-minute sessions to get everything you need out of this. Go. Go. 
And you're like, oh, cool, great. Some some people do that better than others. Um, I I would at the lower end of the group of not doing it as well because a lot of this it takes me a while to learn a track. A lot of these tracks I haven't been to. You know, as the elder folks say, it's a young man's uh, sport. This one or young person's sport, I should say. Yeah, it's tough. It's 24 hours a day. The the 24 hour news cycle, seven days a week, 365. Mm-hmm. I easily burnt through three or four decent relationships purely because asphalt and rubber came first. Uh, I've gotten threatened with I don't know how many lawsuits. A couple of them got pretty serious. <laughs> uh, I had one like really legitimate death threat, um, which I edited out of the last show because <laughs> <laughs> it's just too too crazy. Um, so like there's there's a there's a toll. And I think right. if anyone's been listening to the last few shows, like I think we've we've kind of seen what that toll has has done to me. And I'm not going to say asphalt and rubber is the reason like I'm having depression and all these other elements. Yeah, but it doesn't give you time. It to It doesn't help. Yeah. Um, and that was the thing for me when I remember when I started, like I would get out of bed at six a.m. and I was like a horrible human being to be around until I got like the first story out. Right. Like I was so focused on on getting my first story of the day out, and then once that was out, then I kind of like you could like tolerate being around me. <laughs> and like I've like admittedly like I I don't have that that drive anymore. I don't have that like thing that gets me going that gets excited about breaking a story. And like I've been thinking about it for the last you know six months or so and been like yeah I don't I don't derive joy from this anymore. And it's getting to the point where it's it's making me lose my joy for motorcycling. And I that's a big thing, right? And I always told myself like the day this starts taking away from me and like liking motorcycles is the day i gotta get out yeah and then well i mean your job as a journalist is to tell that story right and it doesn't always have to be an exciting story but in this in this particular lifestyle that we live in it is an exciting story right everybody's excited about the next cool fun thing and they and i remember as a younger person you know i would read my motorcyclist magazines and i always wanted to see the point of view of my favorite journalist and what they thought and you know, how it equated to something to them. And even when I was too young to ride, I was still like a thing I looked forward to. And so I feel like if you if you lose that that flame, then you're not doing your job anymore. There's a reason like long-term journalists get, and especially in this industry, but I think in all industries, get jaded. Yeah. And and that's something that I think like we joke about, we talk about, and like journalists, you don't typically have like a drinking problem. Like, <laughs> but there is a certain amount of like you you see enough behind the the curtain you see how much like how the sausage gets made right and that was like a big thing for me especially when i started when i started seeing how the sausage got made at a lot of publications that weren't even in the motorcycle industry but like magazines that i grew up reading that tangentially would cover motorcycling like we call them non-endemics so like like your regular newspaper like new york times or like if it's a car magazine or like a popular mechanics type thing popular science rob report you know these magazines that don't men's health would be a good one playboy was one that was uh you'd see at press launches sometimes and when you start seeing how like that sausage gets made you're like oh and you're like oh yeah that's i i used to really like your publication and like the stuff you wrote now i see how it's made i'm like oh and I remember like watching Takes the magic right out of it. Yeah. And I remember watching like tech tech blogs covering like electric motorcycles and seeing like what a bad job they were doing and being like, oh, so do you really know anything about like high definition monitors and and like noise canceling headphones? Or are you guys just making that up too? Like, I don't <laughs> I don't know. Like, oh, turns out life is just clickbait, bro. Like I mean, we said earlier, some of that's that period too. like, especially when I started, like it was very much, I mean, I, the only reason I, I was successful 
was because I came in at that point in time when the print magazines were resisting going to a digital format. Right. And there wasn't really anyone in the digital space or there wasn't enough players in the digital space that it was saturated yet. So I was filling a void that like Cycle World and Motorcyclist and Sport Rider weren't, mm-hmm. weren't catering to. And if they'd been doing their job, I never would have had a chance. But thankfully, they weren't. So that was a weird time when people are trying to figure out, like, like literally click the 10 most outrageous things you can ride. Right. Like, like the total clickbait, you know, like, what did he do next? Jensen wrote this bike. You'll never figure out what he did next. Yeah. You know, like, that's that was like that formative time for online journalism when it was trying to figure out, like, how to <laughs> be a thing. And um, it's a little, it was a little crazy then. It's a little simmered down now. Now it's all about influencers and social media and insta really instagram and i feel like the motorcycle industry in like five years will figure out like tiktok and snapchat we're getting there we're getting there um but it'll be like by that point like those platforms won't be popular anymore yeah, anyways. Be next, whatever um youtube i guess youtube and instagram seem to be the big ones right now and that's interesting yeah that's interesting i don't know I got, I got, there's a lot of things i could say about that but i don't know i just I got to. our shop a pair of um gopros and mics Oh, yeah. So we could do like, you know, a couple of like regular dude reviews of motorcycles. Mm-hmm. And then the other day I was like, what if we did like a movie review during the next track day? <laughs> Go as fast as you can, but then talk about the movie you just watched. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Clickbait. It's interesting to watch because I feel like the motorcycle industry a lot of the time is looking for that next thing right. that's going to promote their product. And a lot of the times the measurement used is reach. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times it's reach without consideration of influence. Because like we talk about it on this show, like this show is literally like 1% the reach of Asphalt and Rubber. Right. In terms of readership versus listenership. But I'm pretty confident if I say, hey, wear a red shirt on Thursday on the show and write on the website, wear a blue shirt on Thursday. Just as many red shirts and blue shirts show up. Yep. And that's because podcasts are more engaging. You're you're listening to us for like an hour. You know, you're messaging us when when we're late. Like it's it's a more engaging format than um, than asphalt and rubber is, which I feel is like a more engaging format than say like an Instagram story mm-hmm. is. Um, and so, like, I feel like there's there's going to come a reckoning at some point when people start realizing, like, hey, like. Yeah, that YouTuber had like three million plays on that video, but like no product moved. Right. Whereas that like website or that podcast or that one person said the thing and you know, a hundred bikes moved. No, the engagement part is is huge. Yeah. I mean there was a I, I put up such a like such a fight and argument to have Ducati come to the Touratech rally because you know, even though on the surface it doesn't seem like as many people as say would watch Free Guy, the uh, the, the movie Ryan Reynolds movie, right? <laughs> Those people that come to something like a Tour Tech rally or a Giant Loop rally or whatever is like you know super engaging, they're there to do a thing, and those people are a lot more likely to go and test ride your bike and maybe buy one. It's interesting. Like that's a. I was about to say like I. I've never watched a movie, and like as a motorcycle person, as like someone mm-hmm. that's like likely to buy a motorcycle, never seen like a product placement in a TV show or a movie, and then like, oh, that bike, I want to buy that Wait, one. Wait, you didn't buy a Ninja when you saw Top Gun? 
No. What? My, too, my mom too, thinks I got into young. motorcycling because of Top Gun. I, I, I think and a lot I, of moms. And I didn't. <laughs> and I was like, no. I think your mom wanted to get into motorcycling because of Top Gun. I was oblivious to it. But um, I, I, I was about to say that. And then I think, like, well, I think Tron did a pretty good job for the Sport Classic. Yeah, but that, that bike was already gone. Like, Tron made the Sport Classic a nostalgic, uh, like, collector suddenly. Yeah. After that movie, it became the bike everybody wanted because when that bike was new, no dealership could sell them. No, Ask they anybody weren't. in the dealership. They would give them away to you if they could. No, it's hot garbage. Yeah. Right. And now it's become super expensive hot garbage. Yeah. I love them to death. I, I think they're beautiful, but have you ridden one? I have yet to meet anyone who's ridden one who's like, dude, that's the best riding bike I've ever ridden. Like, it's the old fucking road. It's, it's, it's a heavy, overweight, underpowered, beautiful motorcycle. I, I think they're gorgeous. I got one of those in my garage right now. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the Sport Classic turns and stops and goes a lot quicker than your hot garbage downstairs. <laughs> um, oh, just by the way, by the rules of retirement, that bike is now mine. I think it is. If, if I quit and you leave a press bike in my garage, right. it's now mine. Yep, totally yours. I'm not even going to say what brand it is because nope. it's now mine. Nope. There's it's like just, a Honda press office for like, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Did we give him an Africa twin? Uh, nope. Nope. What Africa twin? Mm -mm. It's not there anymore. It's mine. Nope. It's more like a Jensen twin now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Odd name for a bike. But anyways, I, I think you're right. I think when you have um, high engagement from a, uh, a core group that is very much into the thing you're talking about, it's going to be more effective. It's more influential than if you're just spraying praying among a million, you know, viewers or listeners or whatever and hoping you can get their attention yeah like i don't think anybody went to the movies to watch a ryan reynolds movie to be like i heard that the new street fighter v4s is in this See, i don't even remember is it in there it is i and, i, I like, i've like, seen that movie and i honestly don't even remember but nobody really because it was just a quick like quick look at the bike and they do a cool stunt on it right it didn't like i don't think it moved the needle on the street fighter v4s frankly that bike did fine on its own but then like the new Chips movie that came out, I don't know, four years ago. Oh, yeah. That was a huge Ducati um, advertisement. And several people were like, no, it kind of moved the needle on the Hypermotard. Because it was like the bike and they did really cool stunts. But it wasn't just a three-second thing. It was like a huge, long chase scene. And they were doing really cool, fun stuff on it. So people were like, oh, okay. But then in that movie, it was kind of a little bit like, I winced a little bit. That movie was really cringe. Well, the movie was kind of funny, but the cringe part of it was like, man, this is like straight up advertisement. Like they're talking about, they're saying things no, on there that you'd hear like in a press launch. The, the product placement on that was egregious. Hardcore. The other one was, um, I really like Billions. I really like that show on Showtime. Oh, really? I've never watched that. Oh, it's good. Um, and there's like one scene. Oh, are they on? They're on like a, is it a Super Sport or a Panigale? I can't remember. And it's just like, it's like sitting in their lobby and like, he's like giving it to like one of his guys as like a perk. And it's just so cringe to watch that interaction. It's like, cause it is, it is like, yeah, it's got 153 brake horsepower and 83 Newton meters of torque. <laughs> yeah. It'll do zero to 60 in 6.2 seconds. And it only weighs 432 pounds. What? Rad. <sighs> and you're just like, oh God. I mean, Did again, that, I, I, we're, we're cringing over here, but. You know, kudos to the marketing person who's like, hey, let's try this because now hopefully we'll have 10 million views on it as opposed to like 200,000. Mm. You know, if mm -hmm. that, if 2% of that viewership goes, well, that's kind of cool. I want to maybe write that. I was thinking about buying a new motorcycle. Mm. Maybe. Mm. 
Cheers or? Why not? Why not? Try it. Try everything. That's like you were saying. You know what though? Not well, my problem. No, not your problem anymore. <laughs> Jensen Beeler out. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's weird to be um, retired. Is that the right word? I'm not retired. Retired. I still got work. I got to do. Too young to be I'm going to be doing some some things in the future. I'll let you know when I figure that out. Well, so this means now I have to set up my office at the house with well, not yet microphone not yet. and this and that. I mean, you're going to leave me one day. I'm going to leave you. I got to like, be emotionally and physically prepared for this departure. Year. I think we got like year. another month. In my, well, see, here's the bigger issue. I don't know how much longer this couch is going to be here. Fuck. Do that's, I have to bring like a, a camp chair with me? Yeah, you might have to bring your own chair. It'd be amazing. <laughs> BYOC. <laughs> but yeah, um, we'll continue doing the podcast, obviously. I mean, we'll bring the shit to my office. I have chairs and everything over there. Long as as long as I can, I can do it legally. I will keep doing it. How do you illegally do a podcast? Well, like I might end up somewhere where like it runs afoul of an HR rule. Whoa, that's the only thing I'm worried about. Oh, uh, I see. So kind of like where I'm at. Yeah, kind of. I mean, here we are. I think I think there's ways. I think we're gonna find a way. Fucking pirate radio over here, bro. Yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> Just okay. do we'll it with out. a pseudonym, Coda Kitty. Hello, I am Coda Kitty. I am Julioto Steve. It's <laughs> our pets' names. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's weird. I didn't do anything this week except make phone calls. I did all the motorcycle things for the last two weeks. You you've been busy. Tell me I've what been, you've I've, been up to. Like nothing about like, me. I feel like you nothing and I me. swapped places in the last two weeks yeah so before the last recording i went to thunder hill yeah you did track day i did a track day i did two track days in a row boy oh boy that rowing machine really put me in the shape because i was doing back-to-back sessions Ooh, look at you! And i was like who the fuck is this guy which which course did you do at thunder hill the three mile east course yeah it's east yeah east course you Super the same, fun. same course both days Mm-hmm. okay cool yep. that's a fun course that's the original og thunder i hear course. they open the whole thing up like a five mile, course five mile track that's that's bonkers i've never done the five miles like 24 turns uh probably at least i've never Fuck done sake. it myself the the west course is really tight yeah I've that's done like that. a smaller smaller engine course i feel like like a 600 cc i've done the kramer there have i done the kramer there i don't think i've done the kramer there hmm. Maybe I've I've done the, I've done my supermoto there and I've done the hypermotard there. Oh, that would be fun. And I've done an R three there. That would also be fun. Uh, and that's I feel like the Kramer would be about as big as you'd want to go. Like a hundred horsepower or less is yep. perfect for the West course. Yeah, I feel like my triple nine would just be entirely too much. And then like I've done my supermoto on the East course and it's too big. Like you need a hundred horsepower plus on the East course. So it's weird to have like when they do the five miles. I'm like, well, I bet like no matter what bike you're on. It's not going to be a ton of fun. I guess like the Kramer would be pretty good through all of it. Yeah, maybe like, like a, I feel like something yeah. like a, maybe the bigger Kramer, the 890 would be like yeah, perfect on both. Around there. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, It has been nearly three years since my last track day. Really? And I was in a brand new suit. So it's just like mm. everything was new to me. And it, I felt like, I feel like I'd never ridden a motorcycle, even though I should have brought my multi-strategy so I could have, I could have had some kind of a blow off, like a release valve for myself. Probably the best thing that could have happened happened to me. We we pulled up um, Friday night at like 6.30 and we picked a spot. And I kind of wanted to be like, all right, we're close enough to the entry to the track. The bathrooms are right there. This is a perfect little spot. We got into the overhang. Yeah, we got, well, like right next to the overhang. Okay. And because I didn't know, I didn't know if the overhang was like free for all. Turns out it was. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, fuck it. I don't, you know, I, I feel like people probably paid extra for this. I'll just park it here. There's power source, et cetera, et cetera. So, I park it and not 10 minutes after I park it, this huge like silver and purple rig shows up and I'm, and the 
driver's seat window opens up and I'm like, I know that face. And he looks at me like, the fuck are you doing here? And it's my buddy, Ryan Peterson, who runs Feel Like a Pro. Oh, yeah. Super cool guy. Uh, I'll talk about him here in a little bit. But And I'm like, am I in your spot? He goes, no, that dude's in my spot. But fuck it. Since you're here, I'm going to park next to you. And so like, it was perfect because I got to have his input on a lot of stuff. The dude's awesome. He brings a fleet of Ninja 400s. And he offered, I don't know, 10 times for me to ride one of those things. But yeah. <laughs> I was just so dead set on getting used to my triple nine on this thing. And that track, for anyone who hasn't been there before, it doesn't have a whole lot of visual cues on it because you're on sort of like this rolling, hilly, grassy area. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's not a lot of trees. There's not a lot of... There's a lot of windmills. A lot, of, But they're like sort of <laughs> far away. They're not right there. There's yeah. like three windmills that are right there. And so it becomes a track where you have to learn a really good set of rhythms on there and then as ryan put it it's a it's a super late apexing track you you really apex a little bit later like you can do one more one mississippi before you throw it into a turn but a couple of cool things happened so one was ryan being right next to me and i got to have his you know his sort of uh coaching and then i'm out there writing there is a guy whose videos i've watched a thousand times and i got to see him there's a guy by the name of Corey call uh, if you ever get a chance, just get on YouTube, look up Corey Call Thunderhill. Okay. Um, he was out there. He's a tall dude. He's like, I don't know, six foot five. I have to imagine he's in his like early or mid 50s or late 40s. Tall, big dude. And he rides a, among many of the bikes he owns, he has a BMW R1250GS. Oh, rad. And he was riding this thing harder than I would dare ride a super motard. <laughs> and just the, by the violence which he would throw into this bike into corners and just the way he would wheelie past everybody on it. And I was like, I'm going to follow him. And then immediately I was like, don't do that. That's how you die. Yeah. Um, but the thing was, he was on sport touring tires. And I'm on like hyper sport tires. I'm on the Q4s. Mm -hmm. And in my head, it's like, well, if he's got grip, I have grip. Yeah. Even though I'm clearly not nearly the rider, like I am a tenth of his capacity I'm going to take his lines and see what happens. And it was like, cool, this is actually working out really, really well for me. And so it kind of helped me like get faster and faster and faster. But it was one of the best times ever because uh, these guys who run it, it's Carter. Um, and they do group A, B plus, and B minus. I signed up for B plus, but I also did B minus with my best friend, Tamar, just to like be, you know, be on the track and kind of learn it myself as well. B's get degrees. Fuck yeah, they do. Uh, I mean, I feel like my doctor is probably a C plus doctor, to be honest with you. But he's still a doctor. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> so had a really good time. We did all all day Saturday. And then on Sunday, I sort of like figured out the rhythm of the track. And I was mm -hmm. becoming like, I was the I was still sort of mid-pack, but on the faster side where I was passing way more people than being passed in B plus. Um, but man, Carter sells out. They do 60 people per group. Yeah. So there was 180 riders there because they were sold the fuck out. Track days are alive and well in California. Dude, they were insane and they're fast. Like my motor course of track days is A, B, and C. C being beginner, you have classroom session. B being, you know, the Thunderdome. And then A being faster, smoother. Their B plus was our A group at Moto Corsa. Yeah, that sounds right. Their A group was straight up racer prep. Yeah. Like there was a bunch of Omer and Warmer people there. There was a bunch of California racer people there. And they were insanely fast. I was like, yeah, I don't belong anywhere near you guys. You guys are a whole next level shit. Like, I can do a motocorsa A group sesh and be, again, like middle, upper uh, pack. So 
really cool to go there and kind of experience it. The track's amazing. It's, it made me think of PIR and that turn three is also fucking deadly. Like it has everyone's number. Yeah. To go in a different direction. But yeah, but you're it's going that right, same. It's off camber. It's off camber. It's a little bit of a slowdown. I passed two different people on that turn and a couple of people were like, hey, dude, don't do that because that's a terrifying place and your front tire will just give up on you. Yeah. I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That one, if we'd, we'd talk track next, I would have warned you on that one. Oh, man. I finally got comfortable enough to do turn one at like, I don't know, 110 miles an hour. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit, this thing, like you can hustle on this. You can track. hustle. You don't really break on the Kramer for that turn. I can. I only imagine that you only break on like turn five and turn nine on your Kramer. Well, well, probably the you last. Break, you break the, for the three. Section. Yeah. You break for three. Um, you break going up the hill to the Cyclone. Cyclone's insane. It's, uh, again, late apexing. You got to, like, break a little bit later, throw it in, and then kind of go far left because you'll end up in the dirt otherwise. It's an odd. I can't imagine driving a car on that turn. It just looks like it's designed to upset any and all chassis. Yeah. Because it's such a sharp crest. It's not a smooth. It's a really sharp crest. It's unbelievable. Like. I'm watching people's like front wheels come up off of that one. Turn nine, which is the other hill. I like that one. And super fun turn. So all day, everyone's like, you got to you gotta aim for the water tower. I'm like, yeah. what fucking water tower? I don't <laughs> see it. Because I'm expecting like a, you know, like one of our big tall water towers, but it's not. It's a low slung. Yeah. It, it literally hangs half a mile away in the distance. So it looks like it's about a quarter inch off the other building. It's a water tower. It's a water tower. It's like tiny. What other water tower are you looking for? Jeez, I'm looking for one of these like tall 50 footer <laughs> jobs, you know? And so... <laughs> So when I finally caught it, I'm like, oh, that water tower. And then I was powering out of that turn. Like, oh, this is way more fun. That, you know yeah. where you're going. Because if you don't do it right, again, you end up in the dirt. Yeah, and the, the dirt. Like, and yeah. you end up in the dirt at 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Which I can only imagine is chaos for people. Yeah. But awesome track day. Super duper fun. Those guys at Carter's do a really great time. If you get a chance and want to make the trek. I mean, for us, Pacific Northwesters, at least in Portland, it was an eight and a half hour drive with the taco pulling your trailer mm -hmm. with a triple nine and a Panigale on it um beautiful beautiful place there's not a whole lot of options for like food you have all these fast food places and then you have casa i can't remember the there's a, yeah the mexican place the is mexican pretty, place it's pretty solid super solid but there's, God a, damn, a, there's a black bear burrito. diner yeah there's a black bear diner we also which is which is all right, they, all right. They, they sponsor and support the track so i got no problems going there no, they're great we went there and uh, pretty much had breakfast for dinner and then there's a really like sit down kind of barbecue place in town that's oh, like yeah, that's a good dinner we didn't go to town yeah. We just stayed there. We should have probably tried that one. Um, super, super, super fun. It was great to dust the cobwebs off. I'm excited for our next track day, which is May 8th here at PIR. I might still be here. I hope you are. Maybe. Um, Perhaps. I don't know. We'll see. I enjoyed riding the triple nine. It makes me want a more modern bike for the track days, but it's still like there's a little bit of pride in riding an older bike and you got to kind of work for it. Triple nine's a good bike. It hustles, people, man. People talk shit, but that's a good bike. No, it hustles. It does a beautiful job. Yeah. Because um, I just upgraded the springs on it, the, the fork springs, and now it works. Oh, the other thing I need to, I got to give this guy props. Um, Dave Moss was there. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people in the racing world know who he is. So he's a he's a suspension like fucking guru. And for $60, that's it, six zero, sixty dollars $60, he spent about an hour with me initially, kind of set the bike up, and then goes, go out there. And he's, he sat with me four more times to make sure the bike was just right. Yeah. For 60 bucks. Yeah. So essentially, I think he put like two and a half hours of his time just on my bike. And and it's funny because like 
the rest of the people in my group are like, well, I want that. <laughs> they went <Yeah>. over there <laughs> and dealt with them. Um, super, super cool guy. And and I really, uh, I'm like, man, how do I get him to come to one of our Moto Corsa track days? Because he's so good. And he, and he, and he's, it's funny when you meet somebody, somebody who has just decades of experience and how simple they make it look. I really have to appreciate that because if you're able to do the thing that I don't know what the fuck is going on and you just make it look like poke this and press that and kind of wiggle this thing and boom, it's done. It's like, how the fuck did you do that? That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So really, really cool guy. Um, and then, yeah, that was the track day thing. Came home and got ready and did a cool uh, off course or off off road adventure 101 class yeah i saw that i was jealous super fun we had uh nathan fant who's a local dude and his uh, wife chris um the two of them are well nathan works for bdr i mean he's an it but he also works for bdr he's like one of their uh, i think is a root manager for okay them. um so he helped out and then local hero gregor helenda who's a phenomenal photographer and a motorcycle he's, builder. He's all right. He's an okay. He's an amateur uh, photographer. He's a, what is it? The, he's a Hasselblad master, I think is the term. I believe, yeah. He is. They have like some like distinction that they give their like top tier photographers and he's, he is he's that. Definitely that guy. So Gregor's an amazing photographer, bike builder, and an adventure motorcyclist. Um, in fact, a long time ago, I'd gone to the first one show viewing of, you know, my experience and his, silver that beautiful silver bmw that he's built was there and i was like i'm gonna steal this bike one day and then i got to meet gregor and he's the coolest guy ever and he's like you want to borrow it i'm like Ugh, i guess it's not as fun as stealing it but gregor uh put up a really really awesome um curriculum for the riders it was a sort of his i love his mentality of if you just have people do easy thing after easy thing after easy thing they just progress without knowing and that's what it was so we did about eight hours of motorcycle riding on Sunday at the local Lawrence Farms. Uh, and then Gregor made us all homemade pizzas. Oh, so that. not only did he teach class, he also fed well, I everybody. know there was pizza. I told you to come next time. I like, honestly, you somewhere there's food involved. There was one other Africa twin there. I got to ride one. You know, I've never ridden Africa twin really until Sunday. Have you not ridden mine? I have not ridden yours. And I got to ride one in anger, which was super huh. fun. Yeah, they're good. They're good. Uh, they're somewhere good. in the world, there is a video of me eating shit on my bike on <laughs> Sunday. Super fun. Was your Africa twin with a DCT? No, this was a last gen. Okay. I'll be curious to see. We should get you on mine before it goes away. Okay. We should go back out to the farm. We should. Okay. We have, fuck, let's go this week. I don't, well, Done. actually, I'm gone. Let's Thursday. go tomorrow. Let's go tomorrow. Um, I'm doing nothing. I got nothing going on tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only doing a couple of things. I got to meet with a surgeon. I got to interview someone. You know, I got, I got people working on my house. It's crazy. I'm <laughs> sorry now, actually, but. Um, so a lot of fun. We got to raise some money for a cause called uh, Rally for Rangers, where they raise money and buy motorcycles and ride them to like the Amazon and then give them to these rangers that can only get to places with little motorcycles. Oh, interesting. So super fun. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, Rally for Rangers is really neat. So we got to raise some money through Motocorsa. So our first adventure day was sort of an homage to them and all the all the proceeds of that go to that. Right. Awesome. Um, super excited about that. And yeah, that's been it. Just been riding around on my uh the monster has gold wheels now. I repeat, the monster. I think I had a dream that you sold the monster. <laughs> Wrong. It has gold wheels now. Oh, geez. Although I came face to face with a brand new Street Fighter V4 SP today. That's not a bad looking bike. Dear God, is that not a bad looking bike? Yeah. That is doesn't suck. That is next level sexy. I was like all bricked up looking at that thing. I'm like, fuck, I'm in the monster. <laughs> What's your inventory like right now? 
Inventory? What is that? Inventory. I got a lot of really good gear. I might have to make some bike purchases before I leave the the tax-free state of Oregon. You ought to. (laughs) Um, Well, pretty much all the SPs that we've gotten are pre-sold. Yeah, that I would would expect. Um, We just bought two of the Multistrada Pikes Peaks that you and your fellow... from the murder press, ride. The press folks got to ride. That's so funny. That Jake Zemke took us on. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jake. Fuck you, Jake. <laughs> Fuck you, Jake. Fuck you, Jake. Fuck you, Jake. Yeah, so uh, the first new Pike Speak showed up today. What a handsome bike that is. Good looking bike. Um, but we grabbed two of the press uh, fleet motorcycles. Never wheelied. Probably never. Never really. seen rain. So here's my plan. <laughs> never seen snow. We're, yeah, never ever seen snow, especially <laughs> not day one of the press release. Um, we're probably going to sell the first one really quickly. The second one I'm going to hold on to so we can have kind of a demo. Mm. Mostly because I want to ride it. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. So I'm probably going to go put a couple hundred maybe, miles on Maybe it. you should put a couple hundred miles on it and then Jensen can buy it. Hey, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot cheaper than the than the regular one. Thank God it needs to be. It's a what nice you, what, bike. What, 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 kind of, what kind of price can you give me? Come on. We'll talk off, we'll offline. Talk, we'll talk, we'll talk off. Shaheen got for Jens. He got a little, little Shaheen goody goody. Right. Little going away present. I'm like 80% serious. I'm I'm 99% serious. <laughs> Good. Okay. Together, I'll we like can it. average out to about 88% serious. I love that bike. I think we talked about it. We talked about last show, show before that. We did. I like that bike. I like that bike too. I just don't like it. $30,000 worth. I will. Uh, <laughs> my friend, I will give you a deal. You cannot oh, okay, refuse. Okay. Oh, oh, you, you like bike, I give you a bike. I don't Listen, know I give you a motorcycle, is. you uh, one PP touch, and uh, you go. <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, can I not get the PP touch? Uh, listen, it's part of the deal. No one's right. supposed to touch me more bathing suit covers. My friend? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was taught that as a kid. As you're sticking your to no it no as square. an adult. The no-no square. I'm very disappointed in bed. <laughs> I make up for it with enthusiasm and crying. You know, that's the, the crying is really what helps me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so, boy, that bike's nice. Those came in. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all it's been so far. What's the what do you think is going to be the hot seller this year? The Desert X. Desert X. It, it is the hot seller this sure. year. We've taken so many deposits. Thing I've lost count. Downside to uh, retiring in April Fools. I'm not going to go to the Desert X launch probably. Son of a biscuit! <laughs> I, I can't imagine how they would like. Oh yeah, you're not doing the thing anymore. You should totally still come and do the bike. <laughs> totally still come. I think I still owe Ducati a Pikes Peak review actually. I'll try and get that out. You should probably get that you out. Probably, that's that's fair. That's you should, you should definitely get that out. Yeah, three second review. Pretty good bike, not worth thirty grand. It's a really nice. It's very pretty. Good fit and finish. Thirty grand? Question mark. It's a super bike <laughs> with fairings, uh, windscreen, and bags. It's awesome. It's very sexy. Go buy one, but not for thirty grand. I, you know, it's funny because get I, Uncle Shaheen to get one from the press fleet and give you a deal on it. And then listen, I got two. So if you want to step up to the plate, hurry, hurry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we pre-sold like mm, nine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Listen, we're a multistrata type of store. This is multistrata country. It is. Multistrata's that whole genre is rad. It is. It's been fun riding some motorbikes. Uh you you asked the cute question about inventory. I don't know. Every bike that's been coming in is already pre-sold. We don't have any inventory. That's interesting. I even did a little story video this this morning on Motocourse's uh Instagram. Like, you want a bike, you gotta put a deposit because there is a hundred plus names ahead of you. So Step up. I'm in the market for a car and finding that this is a really bad time to buy a car. It's a very bad time. <laughs> oh, man. 
I'm becoming so fickle. I'm already starting to look at new cars. Like, all right, Taco's been fun for a year and a half. What's next? You are crazy. I'm so you and I are very different. I've had my Forerunner for 17 years. And I bought the Taco <laughs> intending to be like you. And then I, even Ann was like, listen, babe, the only thing you're not fickle about is my relationship with Ann. <laughs> Everything else, I'm like, that's eh, replaceable. So your dream may have been correct about the monster, but it just got gold wheels. So I'm going to stick with it for a so little while. So it's got like, it bought itself like an extra couple of weeks. Like at least this summer. Yeah. But that taco, I love that taco, but you know, there's other cars that I want. <laughs> Definitely not a Porsche because I can't afford that shit. But they match your glasses. They look good. It looks so good. Look really good on it. It looks so good. I can't believe I fit in that thing. Yeah, that's amazing. That's the thing with Germans. They're kind of not small people. They're not small people. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like normal they're like six foot tall usually i got a lot of german blood you got a lot of german in you look at you Bueller's german like six foot two yeah a big fella yeah well i'm here to tell you my fat ass fit in that thing perfectly yeah like i could road trip in that car yeah yeah mm. i'd get in a lot of trouble in a car like that yeah for sure and it's yeah it's hard to it's hard to miss <laughs> seriously speed cameras aren't gonna miss you rude um and what's going on in the motorcycle world i don't know i was like like is that a thing we do now like if i don't if i don't do asphalt and rubber anymore do we still talk about like the headlines uh, of things that happened i mean is there anything super fun happening in the world of motorcycles um but, 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 you know there's some interesting things so like yamaha is actually doing some interesting stuff uh, what what did you say what you are retiring are you okay what uh oh shout out to arizona because they just passed a bill that legalizes lane filtering and traffic dang listen oregon are you listening um they modeled their bill off of utah's okay which basically states that you can filter in traffic no more than 15 miles an hour faster than traffic traffic has to be stopped on roads where the speed limit is 40 miles an hour or less so basically in town great i get to go, go to the front of the light that's what i want that's all i really Perfect. want at the end of the day like when traffic is stopped on the freeway, I want to be able to go between the cars. Yep. And when traffic is stopped for a red light, I want to be able to move to the front. Yep. Those those are like my like like if I if I had to cherry pick the lane splitting laws, like give me those two things. Oh, I would be so happy. And that would make the world a better place. I don't need to get in between cars when we're doing eighty on the freeway. Like that's that's fine. California, you can do it, but you know, be careful. I don't need that necessarily. <laughs> I just want to be able to get through traffic when shit is stopped. Right. And I want to move more efficiently. Yep. And that, I mean, it's so, uh, it's so easy. And it makes life so much easier. Like, Oregon's going to be the last state that passes it. It's so dumb. We got so close. We did. But, but, but that happened in like the most Oregonian way where it's like, oh yeah, bipartisan support. Legislature passes it pretty, pretty sweepingly. And then the governor's like, no. I don't think so. Well, I feel like this is unsafe. Well, cool. I, know, right. I think I know better. Ugh. And you're like, all right, nanny. All right. All right, Karen. You suck, Karen. Quit your job. Um, Not my favorite governor. No. I don't think she's anyone's favorite governor. Yeah. We'll just move on from there. Yeah. Um, that's but how yeah, I feel. Stoked to see it for Arizona. Good on them. Uh, You know, just keeps the ball rolling. It was uh, a bait. The, the Arizona bait chapter was really instrumental in doing that. Cool. Um. So you can, I think you can say a lot of things about abate, but give them props for the fact that they're probably one of the biggest forces pushing lane splitting laws through states. Mm -hmm. AMA supported them as well, so that was good to see. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Can Am is coming back as a motorcycle brand, Shane. 
which is kind of like a like, was the last time they made a motorcycle like the 70s can-am 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 well they th- i thought they had brought the name back no i guess they were just doing like watercraft and shit yeah i mean well they're doing the the, the three-wheeler three-wheeler thing yeah i guess we don't consider that a motorcycle not thing. really all right i mean the, the government does but well yeah they make motorcycles helmet. don't they still wave at them <laughs> i did I, yeah, yeah. i'm a happy waver i wave at everyone i wave at the cows Hey cows, you look the delicious. Cows wave back? Oh no, they just look at me like, "Why is he waving? He's gonna eat us." He's gonna he? eat us. Yeah. Yeah, and the answer is yes. Especially those wagyu cows. Oh man, they're so delicious. Um, so that's pretty cool. They're coming back as an electric brand. It looks like they've got about four bikes they're gonna bring to market. Okay. Um, that's very interesting and intriguing to me, especially to see a brand like Can Am, which is BRP, which is our Canadian cousins to the north. Um seen an opportunity in the two-wheeled space to be electric the only thing i'm a little reserved about is brp showed a whole lineup of electric models like like they had like a snowmobile and a water ski and mm-hmm. a motorcycle and a scooter and an e-bike um they did that ooh, i want to say like four years ago i'm not i don't have now that i'm retired i don't have my laptop in front of me i'm just doing <laughs> yeah, this acapella no, i have noticed you're just, just kind of freeballing fucking over there, acapella man. over here crikey um let's say four years ago and the the patents that we've seen from from them and like the teaser render we kind of saw with cam's announcement makes their bikes look very similar to what brp was showing in concept right. form a, f- a number of years ago you think they went back to their archives like well let's pull these fucking things up they're not that good looking is it better looking than that fucking Buell? Anything's better looking than exactly. that Buell. But like, still mad. Like, pull it up. I think I linked to it in the story. Like, if you look at it, you're like, the headlight's a little funky. You're like, eh. right. it's got I that- was kind of excited about this announcement until I saw that and I was like, oh, so you guys are just going to bring ugly motorcycles to market. <laughs> Is this the thing now? Is this the 2022 thing just to bring out? Just. Well, I think, I think that's the thing. Like, the supply chains are so stressed. The business is so crazy. Like, even if you've got like a really, really, really ugly motorcycle, it's going to sell well because what else are people going to buy? They can't buy a Ducati from you because you're sold out. Well, yeah, so they got to buy put something. Put a deposit, ugly. man. I can get you one at some point. You have to buy a dirty, bu- uh, ugly bike. If Buell doesn't make money in this market, they never will. Let's just say that. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I don't think he's that ugly. Really? Really? Are you cl- are you looking at the right photo? I mean, I'm looking at this teaser. Okay, no, the teaser looks good. Right. The teaser looks good. Click on the. Da, 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 da. Scroll down where it says showing a host of machines that the Canadian mega brand could bring to market. And then look at that motorcycle. I mean, it's, just, it's not like ugly, but it's not good looking. You know what it is? I think that Buell just ruined everything for me. Everything else looks good to me now. Fair. You know, it's Fair. like it's like you think the house is cold and then you step outside into the cold for 10 minutes and come inside and be like, man, this house is actually not that bad. Yeah. It's warm in here. I feel cozy. I feel privileged. It's like the Jack Black effect. <laughs> Once you see him, like every man in Hollywood looks handsome. Exactly. Well, I mean, first of all, Jack Black is not ugly. You know, he's unconventional looking, but. Really? He's not like Ryan Reynolds ugly. <laughs> I just want to see if we can get any hate, hate mail for that one. Because <laughs> when I think handsome, I immediately think Ryan Reynolds. I wish I looked like Ryan Reynolds. I wish you looked like Naked. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. This would be a much more sexual show if yeah. you look like Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Life goal. We can all only hope. He's not very funny, though. Whoa, easy guy. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> Pump the brakes, Fox and Friends. <laughs> uh, please don't sue me. Um, 
<laughs> like that's not like I got out of this industry. That would be the best. If you got sued by Ryan Reynolds <laughs> just, last minute, I'd be like, and that's how you got famous. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. I love you, the Green Lantern, man. I'm sorry it didn't work out. Oh my god, the worst movie ever. <laughs> we don't bring that one up. Free, sorry, Ryan. Free guy wasn't that good either. <laughs> free guy? I like free cute. guy. Listen, Anne you and said I it was cute. We have different tastes in movies. Especially well, it's not you and me. It's Anne says it's cute. I watch it if Anne thinks it's uh, cute. Okay. Sure. I've it's you know I made a a remark about Mean Girls like I actually like <laughs> quoted it during the track day and somebody's like why do you know that quote I'm like, <laughs> because my wife watches it a thousand times a year and so by proxy I've gotten to know the fucking movie Is that Lindsay Lohan in that yep okay the cute years the cute years before the cocaine <laughs> before the coke <clears throat> uh Yamaha Yamaha's doing some cool things I just can't believe you're using these words you're definitely losing your shit man um they're working on a power like the best way to describe it would be like electric power steering but really it's like um it's like electric steering damper that can also input steering inputs hmm. i feel like there's a better way to say that sentence but any inputting whatever um so it's interesting so like they can it can well, one of the things that it allows it to do there's a lot there's a couple things that it allows them to do it, it helps them Motorcycles are always looking for that front end geometry that makes the bike feel right. Right. Um, and and as someone that has a Ducati Street Fighter 1098, I can tell you what it feels like when it's wrong because <laughs> that bike feels wrong almost uh, all the time. It's aggressive, Jensen. It's aggressive. It's no, it's it's not aggressive enough. That's my problem with it with the Street Fighter. Really? It's, it's too raked out. Oh. So you lose you lose the front end feel. Um, but with a device like this, you could you could have like the best of both worlds. You could have like a, an elongated rake giving the bike a little bit more stability, but with a little extra power assist, hmm. make the steering feel like it was like a shorter rake. Right. Um, and, and vice versa. Like you could have, I mean, that would be really good. Like on a venture bike on a sport bike, you could have like the reverse where it's like, yeah, it's got that sport bike geometry, but we dampen it down. So it, it's really stable at high speed. Ease it up a little bit. Um, so that's, there's, there's kind of like a best of both worlds there. And it also, is kind of a precursor to what you would need to have um like a stabilization in terms of like like bikes that can stand uh upright on their own without a kickstand right and like like a you and you like you couple that to especially like an, on an electric platform that could be like something like you like a like a what do you call it like summon like a garage summon parking lot summon where the vehicle like drives itself to you. to you yeah like tesla yeah um, so there's some interesting things that that technology opens up for motorcycle brands and it's, and it's tiny. It looks like it maybe adds like half a pound to the bike's weight of oh. that. Um, I, I think, imagine it would just get into the same computer that IMU and everything's connected to. Yeah. It, it probably has to work with that. It's just a very elegant solution. They're, they're, they're prototyping it on their 250 and 450 CC dirt bikes that they're racing in the all Japan series. Whoa. So that's where I think they're seeing their first application is in that. Fascinating. Yeah. Like I said, doing some cool things. That is super cool. Um, the other one is they came out with their 2.0 version of the electric trials bike prototype that they've been showing off. I saw that. The tie E. Hmm. Looks rad. I've always wanted to like get into trials, and that would be an interesting way of doing it. I just had a conversation with someone about how trials bike is probably one of the best methods of becoming good with balance and you know like and we were talking about bigger adventure bikes and kind of ha ha haing how some of us just have these overweight humongous bikes and 
how this would actually help a lot with your balance and just kind of being more self-aware on a, on a motorcycle. There's a part of me that really wants to get one. Um, and this sounds super interesting. Especially with something like that, where it's electric and it's quiet. Like you could literally just set up in your backyard, yeah. like a little trials course right. and just dink around on it all day long and into the night and no one would be the wiser. You don't need a big MX park. You don't need to like worry about I mean, sound. They probably hear and- me cursing in my backyard a lot. <laughs> this motherfucker and all I one one I broke my leg but that's the thing with Charles riding like you're going like five miles an hour how hard, how hurt are you gonna get golly man I'm big I hit the ground hard there's that whole thing like when you see like uh, Tony Bow and he's like jumping like from like telephone pole to telephone pole right. and you're like that looks dangerous that looks like you can break something that looks like that you could get hurt <laughs> but yeah it's interesting stuff super cool Look at Yama doing cool shit. They're doing some cool shit. See, they heard you the last time. You were talking about how they were one of the few that didn't really grow last year. No, they didn't. They They're really like, didn't. hold our sake and watch this. Well, that this is mostly Yamaha uh, Japan that's right. doing this. Not so much Yamaha North America. I mean, don't you think maybe Yamaha Japan has got a little say-so on what, what Yamaha USA does? Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, we could, have, we could probably have a conversation about that. Okay, let's. Um... The amount of influence that a like domestic subsidiary has versus like what the mothership says right. varies from brand to brand. There's some brands that are really good about listening to like their like local markets. Like they'll be like, "Hey, like we need to have this right in America, or we need to have this in Europe, we need to have this in Southeast Asia." And then there's other brands that are just kind of like, "Yeah, we built this. Do you guys want to sell it or not?" And the Japanese kind of work the other way, you know. They're they're kind of the yeah we're gonna we're gonna come out with this bike. Maybe you can sell it in your brand or not. And, that, and that's part of why like the the Tenere Seven Hundred like took so long to get here. It was like they're like yeah we're making this bike. You can sell it if you want. You don't have to. From my experience, the Italians are not like that at all. No, the Italians. And that's the thing. European brands are very different. Yeah. Um, that's one of the fundamental differences I would say between Japanese and European brands is how they respond and how they take input from their their local subsidiaries. Right. Um, what was it? Uh, we did the Hayabusa launch. And they were talking about how, like, Suzuki Motor America, like, how much input they had into that bike. And, like, that was very much like Japan was just kind of like, this is the bike we're going to make. And, like, you're going to sell it. And Suzuki America being like, well... You're not gonna like we 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 sell like four out of five Hayabusa's that you make like you really you don't want maybe some some of our notes just just a little maybe re, maybe maybe, maybe a, sit down and talk to us could we have like a little just a quick little chit chat little chit chat you about that um and I think that might be part of the reason the Hayabusa ended up the way it was and that might be part of the reason the Goldwing kind of ended up the way that it was. Not that the Goldwing, the current iteration of the Goldwing is, is bad by any stretch of imagination, but there's a lot of talk of like hybrids and things and that, right. and like the size. Like I think if they had been listening more to their domestic um, subsidiary, American Honda, you probably don't come out with a top case that doesn't fit two, <laughs> two helmets in it. You know, like there's like things where it's like, oh yeah, we're going to make the, the luggage carrying capacity of this motorcycle less you're like uh that is not the point that's of this not motorcycle. what american riders really want it's not how it works where do you sell all these bikes in america okay maybe you should listen to us yeah, we like carrying luggage so some brands are better than that than others um i'm not 
uh, entirely sure how Yamaha does it per se. I know they did the uh, the Yamaha SCR. Was it nine hundred nine fifty? That's the Bolt. Right. That was that was a bike driven primarily by Yamaha North America. They were saying like, oh, we were going to build a bike. We need to have a scrambler type bike for the U.S. market. We're going to lead the development on this. You can tell by the design of it. It's definitely a that bike was a disaster. Uh, yeah, duh. disaster. I mean, it's a, it's a Yamaha Bolt with like wheels, basically, and some some colors and plastic things. So like, and, you know, and maybe that's the constraints they had. Like, how can we bring a bike a bike to market right now? We have to use an existing platform. We have these constraints with money and like what we can do on the assembly line. And you know, like, I'm not going to fault anyone for how that bike came to be, mm-hmm. but that's very much like a that was a U.S design and pushed machine and very obviously not up to snuff no and that's not a and i guess what i'm trying to say is a bike like that doesn't give you know the mothership uh confidence that the domestic brand can can do product development like that it's always i always wonder how those conversations go right like does the mothership go okay clearly you're not able to do this we're going to take over yeah but I mean, let's talk about the Desert X, right? Like, mm-hmm. This is, this is going to be your big seller. Mm-hmm. The Desert X was greatly influenced by people like yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, the local people on the ground talking about what that bike. That bike came out originally as a air cooled Desmo Due twin bike, and after feedback, you know, Takari was like, "Oh, you guys want a water cooled bike? Oh, yeah. We could do that. I'd probably do that." Well, it was, it was interesting though. I was really impressed with the fact that they they did the what I would call like the design and marketing exercise of putting out the Desmo Due and the general design of it to kind of put their toes in the water and see how it is. Mm-hmm. And it was, most everybody said, yes, but, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that opened up a dialogue and they were open to that dialogue and they continued on having it. And I was super impressed when they asked people like myself questions of, hey, what are the things you look forward in a bike like this? Mm-hmm. You know, like, w- what do you think will make it successful? And my answers were, I mean, I, when I saw the final bike come out, I'm like, holy shit, they literally took every one of my answers. And, and clearly I'm one of, I don't know how many hundred they spoke with, mm-hmm. but ultimately the answer was, hey, a bike like this that can have longevity, you can ride it for longer uh, distances. 21 inch front wheel. 21 inch front wheel, 18-inch rear wheel, proper suspension travel, you know, the electronics that people are looking for. Because you're, obviously going to charge a premium dollar for it so give them a premium motorcycle and a throwback air cool motorcycle isn't the answer yeah even though it's cool and some people i imagine even people that are listening to this are going oh, i would have rather had air cooled but really i don't want to talk there to is. those people i want to talk to those people yeah i'm sure they're out there like we had one person tell us which i kind of was like i can see how you want that I don't know that I agree with it, but I can see why you'd want it. But it's like, boy, it'd be cool if they made an 1100cc desert sled. Well, that extra power would be cool. I've yet to ride a desert sled off-road and think, gosh, I wish I had more power. It's fine. It's still a 75-plus horsepower motorcycle, and I promise you, if you think this needs more power, you're not riding it right. You can do fine with that amount of horsepower. So I can see where somebody would want like maybe... 15 20% more power and torque out of an air cooled one but like the people that are looking for that style of motorcycle that middle uh weight adventure bike they're looking at the very least they have the dream of going longer distances and doing more and seeing more things and 
you know, that doesn't involve an old school air-cooled motor that needs to be, you know, needs to have the valve checked every 7,500 miles. There's that. That's the other part of it. Right. It needs to be user-friendly. I think most people now are looking at, you know, the thing that they're buying <clears throat> to be able to deliver for the long term, right? And so while having an air-cooled old-school Ducati is a cool dream to have because it sounds right and it looks pretty, it's really mostly as a uh, like a fashion statement. Cost of ownership is a big thing for Ducatis. Like I feel like the stigma oh, yeah. about cost of ownership, especially in relation to valves, doing valve jobs, mm -hmm. is still something like I still hear it from, from people. And you're like, well, like, yeah, okay, my Street Fighter was a 2010 model year, I think, mm -hmm. 2009, something like that. And it seventy five hundred miles, I got to pay a thousand bucks. That's that's how that's what life is. But that's not how it is anymore. Like even in just that this last decade, that's changed significantly. We're like now, I wouldn't really like bat too much of an eye no. on the cost of ownership argument. Like it's it's about the same as a Japanese bike. I was now. gonna say it's gonna be like it's gonna be the same as like a, certainly as a BMW or right. a KTM or a Triumph or any of the European brands. And I'm not really sitting there like reliability wise, like worrying about. You know, we mostly as a retailer have that discussion with people who've been gone from the brand for a significant amount of time, like 10 years. That's interesting. Cause, and it happens, right? There's people who buy, let's say, a Yamaha and they stick with, like, let's say someone like you bought a Forerunner and owns it for 17 years, right? Yeah. You've been away from the brand, from the new parts yeah. of the brand. And so you don't know what's going on. And maybe you haven't looked at the other offerings in that time because you haven't had to. And so if we have somebody who's got a 12 year old motorcycle and they come in, they're like, and they say it. They look at you and they're just like, hey, is it still the case? Are Ducati still super expensive to maintain? It's like, no, that's old school. And let us explain to you why. Yeah. Um, so that conversation, and I wonder if other listeners who are in the industry are having this conversation, but I think I've heard myself say, have an answer to that once a week mi hmm. minimum. Interesting. And that's typically from a buyer who is, um, if I was going to put a demographic on it, it's like a... 40 something to 50 something year old buyer who's been riding for a while but not so like privy to the news all the time in the motorcycling like like they're like they ride but they're not like hardcore read all the articles motorcyclists right and they probably read <laughs> a cycle world from 1998 right. and heard all about the two mile valve job yeah or their friend you know, or someone interval. who had a old desmodronic valve motorcycle that needed a 6,000 mile valve adjustment on it yeah. told them, oh man, this thing cost me $1,000 every 6,000 miles. Yeah. Also, the conversation that we have with most American riders is, how many miles do you ride? Like, be yeah. realistic with yourself, right? If you're a two or 3,000 miles a year kind of guy, well, an 18,000 mile valve adjustment is like, not it's not even on your you're radar. You're probably never gonna well, do You're never it. gonna get there. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, oil changes and all that other bullshit, it's like potatoes, like it's just the same shit no matter what you're buying. It's whatever the dealership is charging for that, whatever their hourly rate is on that. So um, I've done the comparison of that versus other, let's even say premium brand motorcycles. It's the same. It's negligible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that conversation is gone. And that's really the main reason where it, I myself was like, eh, guys, this whole air-cooled thing is cool, but like not cool enough to say I want this on my you know, middleweight adventure bike. I want to yeah. be able to, because I myself do ride between eight to 12,000 miles a year, depending on the year. So that shit comes up on my radar quick. And I imagine in my mind <clears throat> that 
the typical adventure touring motorcycle buyer wants to at least dream to be like, I want to put lots of miles. I'm going to ride this thing from here to right. Tierra del Fuego. Right. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to worry about that shit when I'm riding all the way down the American, uh, South American continent. It was like the aspiration versus the reality. Right. Like, I want to put 100,000 miles on this thing. You're like, how many GSs really see 100,000 miles? I mean, talk about reality. So how long has the V4 model been out, the Panigale V4? It's been out since 2018, so four years. And we've sold a ton of them. We just got our first valve adjustment. Really? Yep. Interesting. I mean, we were all like, holy shit. <laughs> That's amazing. Who rode their bike? Who put 18,000 miles on their bike in four years. That's impressive. On a, that's pretty on a, good. That's super imp impressive. Especially on a super bike, on a 200 horsepower V4 super yeah, bike. Yeah, yeah. Where are you going to ride that? I actually don't think we've gotten our first V4 Multistrada valve adjustment. I'm getting close, but not there yet. Sell me that Pikes Peak. We'll see what happens. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't put that many miles on my own personal bikes. Like, I kind of like, like, oh. Yeah, but you put a lot of miles. I, on, I do on a lot of press riding. bikes. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I do. I do a fair bit. I'd be curious to see how many miles a year you actually ride between like all the bikes you ride. If there was a way of having like a spreadsheet of all the bikes you've ridden in a year and how many miles you put on them in the in that period of time, I'd be curious. I don't have that number for you. I typically put more miles on than most. I know that amongst my colleagues because I'm riding it more. Right. But like, like I was just gonna do the math. Like I put two hundred thousand miles on my car over seventeen. I'm averaging twelve thousand miles on a car already, which is national average. Yeah, that's pretty average, yeah. Um, and then doing all the mo but that's with all the motorcycling. Yeah, but a lot of your miles are you driving from here to California to pick up motorcycles? Yeah, I would say a lot of those are freeway miles. Like um, I actually see your Forerunner less than I see your motorcycles. Yeah, I probably do. I probably do similar mileage as you. Probably, probably. I bet. Yeah, I bet if you average it out, I bet you do at least six to eight thousand miles a year. I, I mean, like every press, I mean, this is you think like with press launches, it's a lot more, but like not really. Like I would say most press rides are two hundred miles tops, or like four or five track sessions. Yeah, which is a hundred like, miles, yeah. one hundred fifty maybe, maybe. Um, so you don't do that many miles on press launches. But yeah, with bikes that you keep, I probably put like 500 miles on every press bike I get. And then I put miles on my own bikes. I don't know. I, I really have no idea. I don't keep track of it. I'd be curious. Now that you're retiring and you're going to be just riding your own motorcycles. And in California. And in California where you can, where it actually pays dividends to ride your own motorcycle. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Come on, Oregon. Do the right thing. Yeah. Right. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. I've been lane splitting a lot lately in Oregon. Really? Like, yeah, oh, no. the right thing to do. Oh, no. Sometimes when you're on Powell and you get bored of like a people slowing down for no reason at all, you go past them. I did do my own little alley sweeper the other day. On did the you really? Twin. That's coming up. It is. Um, That's coming up really soon, actually. What day is that? April 16th, I think. Is it? Is it April or May? No, I don't know. I know the you one look show's up. coming up. Um. And yeah, like some guy parked their like van in the alley that I was going down, and I had to like scoot around it with the the bags. Oh jeez, like, I was like, oh jeez, this is what well, you were like. <laughs> yeah, um, it was good. April Fools. That was very it. good. Was it's like, funny. So little Brappy stepsister, she comes up to me. She's like, you know, those of us who know him know he's serious. <laughs> but also, it's like, is he fucking with us? And I was like, yeah, I've been doing a lot of mental gymnastics over this fucker. Um, it like 
couple of friends texted me on the side like, hey, is he being serious? <laughs> like, ask and him, that's please. the April Fool's joke. <laughs> that's the April it. Fool's 13 long years in the making. It's con, Gene. <laughs> it's not goal. enough to lie. You have to mix truth that's in right. with the lies. That's right. That's how you make a you good gotta make April it sellable. Fool's. <laughs> you got to sell the, the lie. Yeah. Or is it truth? I will miss uh, April Fool's on Asphalt and Rubber. That was that that was the one thing that brought me joy. <laughs> that was my my Marie Kondo moment. Like, does this spark joy? Yes, it does. Every year, you even said it in our um, in our group text. This is my magnum opus. <laughs> yeah, this is my this is my masterpiece. This Welcome a, to my TED talk. This is the big one, <laughs> uh, and I'm out. Oh man, there's a lot coming up. So April sixteenth is the Alley Sweeper, the good old world famous Portland Alley Sweeper. Um, and then April, the weekend of April 24th is the one show. Yeah. And then May 8th, I have my first track day at PIR, Motocourses track day. Hello. Hello. And then May, Brappy Little Sister's got fucking sense of humor on her. So SFRC, the same group that puts the Alley Sweeper together, they always have these crazy harebrained ideas, which, and we're all like, yeah, let's do the thing. So May 21st through the 22nd, they have their crazy ass endura race was it like 12 hours it's a 12 hours starts at 7 p.m and ends at 7 a.m so <laughs> god dang it it starts basically saturday night at 7 p.m and ends at sunday morning at 7 a.m the 22nd is also the distinguished gentleman's ride oh geez so we the idiots have signed up for this fucking enduro race we're gonna run a multi-strata 1200 enduro as you would. As one would. <laughs> Hannah is going to do an Iron Woman of the same race by herself for 12 hours. As she would. As she fucking would. What's she going to ride? We don't know yet. She's trying to figure it out. I was like, dude, do it like on an XR100 or just do a lightweight bike. Who cares? Desert sled. Oh, shit. Hannah. <laughs> if you're listening, Got to keep it on brand. <laughs> That's right. You're welcome. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. I think dear friend and listener Jonas is talking about putting a team together as well. On his multi-strata 1200 Enduro. Nope. Jensen? Nope. He needs a teammate. Nope. What, year, what day is it? <laughs> Saturday, May 21st. Definitely not here. Come on. Definitely definitely moving to California before then. So he and I are talking about getting like tuxedo, either like super cheap tuxedos or just like t-shirts that look like tuxedos. Like Canadian tuxedos or Canadian, tuxedo oh, tuxedos? Canadian tuxedo would be a great idea. Um, to do like the last leg of the race and then go basically straight from there to the DGR. Oh, yeah. Just be dead. <laughs> um so my team is the world famous brian catterson and then one of my techs brent who is also a it sounds like a ringer team so here's the thing those two know how to fucking yeah those guys know how to ride i'm an idiot so it'll be like two pros and a fucking clown hoping to and i was like guys we're not trying to win this we're just trying to look good and brent's like no we're winning i'm like easy tiger i like that attitude (laughs) I just want to leave there with like my bones intact mostly and be able to go to the DGR. Um, so that's May 20, 21st and 22nd. So basically between now and May 22nd, I'm just like doing just flat every out. weekend. And I'm retired. So I'm looking for, and you're retired. In fact, I told Brappy little sister, I'm like, dude, before you know it, it's going to be September. It'll just fly by. Yeah. And we're just going to be sitting in the corner with every muscle in our bodies hurting going, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And there's like two Omer races between now and then too. Shit. You're right. So she'll be busy. Yeah, we got five track days. We're probably going to be doing more of these adventure one-on-one type classes because it was a big hit. So Gregory and I are talking about trying to do one like every six or seven weeks. Now that I know that there's pizza. There's pizza and it's good pizza. He was assembling them and I was baking them. Okay. He's got one of those little like 
Yeah, no, I saw it. Oh, dude, it was so good. I was like, well, if I knew there was pizza, I would have gotten out of bed. I mean, you could have. Oh. I probably would have rallied. <laughs> I should have texted you, bro. There's pizza. Yeah, I think I went for a run. I think I at least did that. I was no, I was feeling poopy. The the, the depression was strong. You know, I got to figure I out. I have a pillow at home that Team Ann got me that says, "You never see a motorcycle in front of a psychiatrist's office." That's not true. I don't think it's true either. Yeah, but it's just the I'll happiness probably, in my world is motorcycles. I'll probably ride a motorcycle to mine. <laughs> <laughs> you should just park it there. Listen, <laughs> if I show up on a motorcycle, you know shit's off. So help me out here. <laughs> help me out here. It's going wrong. Something's going wrong. Like <laughs> my happiness is out there, and I'm not very happy right now. <laughs> um, well, speaking of which, we've had we said it before on the last show, but we've had so many great mm. outreaches from people. I mean, a giving us like really great words of wisdom and words of advice but uh most importantly people that are coming out and saying yeah i've been dealing with this shit my whole life or recently and mm -hmm. you know i had to go check myself in or talk about something and so you know i i want to keep that energy going and saying hey it's good to talk about this stuff it's good to take the stigma off of it it's it's um you should not feel shame about being depressed it's yeah. enough to be dealing with the depression um and so to take the stigma off of it and be able to talk about it whether it's with two dudes that you listen to on a podcast or someone that you feel comfortable with is up to you. But the the fact that people have been reaching out and just giving us their stories is enough to get a guy all misty. It's super cool. Yeah, I, I, I really dig it. I think it's very important. I think it's very, um, no, important. I think that's really the word for it. It's very, very important to take the stigma, the negative, negative stigma off of mental illness or any sort of, you know, thing that's going on with you that's bringing you down because at the end of the day all we got is ourselves each other and you know our health and so if we can help each other out and uh whether that's with a slice of pizza or quick chat or you know a drink of whiskey if that's what you do with your friend to be able to talk about the thing then it matters but at the end of the day seeking help is probably one of the most important parts of it and i was telling team Ann the other day like i think as i'm growing older the thing that i'm most impressed with people around me is if they have self-awareness mm. and sometimes it's really difficult to get out of your own way no totally you know totally like i'm not dealing with what you're dealing with i'm dealing with something physical and so it's easy for me to go this hurts fix it as opposed to when you're having a mental issue it's first of all sometimes hard to just get out of bed right yeah no that's the struggle is real it's super it's, real. it sounds like a really like stupid thing but it's just like i don't think it is well, it's it's stupid in the sense of like, and I think this is where the the like stigma comes from because it's just like, just get out of bed, just 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 get out of bed, just fucking move, just fucking like, why do you feel sad? Stop feeling sad, right? You got all these things that make you happy. Why are you sad? But but sometimes that can make you even sadder, like you feel guilty. Well, it's just it's just I guess it's just like the thing, like it just doesn't work that way. No. Like I get it too, because I said I'm like, why did I stay in bed? Like like I wanted to go. I was like, I I kind of want to go do this thing, but I just can't get out of bed yeah and that's been my problem for the last three months i just can't get out of bed because i'm just fucking mopey mm -hmm. i'd rather stay in bed it's tough it's super tough i think uh i think at least you're taking care of it you know it takes baby steps sure just like you know even like with physical exercise you can't go to the gym once and expect to look like a bodybuilder no for sure right, right. and i feel like if you can keep that in mind, even with your, especially with your, you know, mental gymnastics is to understand that it's not going to get fixed tomorrow. It didn't happen in one day. You got to do the work. You got to do the work. You got to put in the time. 
I think with depression, it's probably harder to tell yourself that because sometimes you can't get out of bed. But that's okay, I think. I think it's totally fine to fucking sit there and just be in your own head. Uh, but, and, and I think that's the tough part, right? It's different for everybody um, to not get lost in those thoughts and to like have an outlet and just be able to talk to someone or do something that makes you happy. Like for me, motorcycling is the happiness. So if I'm having a really rough mental day, week, month or something, I hop on the bike and I, I don't feel happy immediately, but at least it helps me kind of just be in my helmet and be present in the moment and ride the motorcycle and deal with that. And somehow by that process, I feel better. I feel like mm. I've had a chance to think about stuff and talk about it and make noises in my helmet and just kind of take that next step, whatever that next step is. And so, you know, as long as you're working with it and as long as you have somebody in your life that's like, hey man, let's have a chat. Let's make sure you're okay. Uh, I think that's the most important part. You've you've already done so much uh, important steps, I think, with being cognizant of what's going on in your head, being able to reach out to me and other people in your life, especially your doctor, and saying, hey, something's wrong. Or even like a couple of months later going, hey, I don't think this is working. I need something else. No, it's been good. I, I really enjoyed the conversations that I've had with people. I've got uh, an abundance of free time for the next few, few weeks. Uh, so open to more conversations. Fuck yeah, man. Them. Reach out. Send those emails. Yeah. He's actually reading them now. Yeah, I am. I've yeah. noticed. I open an email. I'm like, wait, I don't remember opening I don't this. Know, I don't remember wait, that somebody one. fucking answered this? It's I, Jensen. I got to get to like reply and I got to like set up my computer so I can start replying. <laughs> I do it all on my phone. Yeah. I've yet to open one of those emails on a computer. It's always oh, okay. on my phone. I can't write fucking emails on a phone. Oh, that's man, I've gotten good at it. That's, that's the loop. My entire business is done through this phone. Okay. Everything's phone. Thanks, yeah. phone. You're a modern man. But I'm, I'm, I am a man with limited bandwidth. Yeah. <laughs> I only have so much time in the day. People want to get a hold of us. How do they do that, Shane? They can find us on Instagram at BrapTalk. Uh, they can read your tweets at WeBrapTalk. They can send us emails, including dad jokes. No dad jokes. All the dad jokes. No dad jokes. Dad jokes make Jensen happy. <laughs> uh, WeBrapTalk at gmail.com. And as I said at the, at the earlier part of the conversation, definitely send me your questions because I'm going to do an exit interview with you. Mm. Uh, and I think the people probably have wonders about you. Like, what's going on? What's next? What did you do? What's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? What's your least favorite this? What's your least favorite that? You know, all the, all the questions. Mm. Um, and then Facebook, Prep Talk Motorcycle Podcast. What do you want them to do on the old uh, uh, Apple? Oh, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, we haven't done that in a while. We uh, haven't. If you like the show, if you listen to the show. Leave a leave a review, leave a rating. Give us a little give a little, Say hi. Give a little how do you do? Tell us what you're riding. Tell us where you're riding. Yeah, tell us, tell where, us you're, where you're listening. Listening. That's, 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 that's I love that one. Yeah. There's some interesting places people They're listen to this. Super podcast. I love it. There's people that are like exercising listening to us. There's people working. There's people driving. Who are you listening with? Are you having sex listening to us? I don't want to know. I, I do want to know. I don't want to know. I want at least one of our listeners to be like, oh yeah, I totally bang listening to you guys. The sultry voices of Brap Talk. <laughs> bow, chicka, bow, wow. <laughs> and with that, good talk. I'll see you out there. You know what I thought Australia? At one point they passed a like Ute truck. Oh yeah. And it just looked Australian. Everything about it seemed <laughs> Australian to me. So I'm you're probably right. Was there you're, a fucking kangaroo? <laughs> Did you see any kangaroos? Because that's, no, no, that's a that's a tip. Off. <laughs> and nothing tried to kill him while he was riding it, so definitely not Australia. Yeah, I probably like Spain. Spain or